Hi. Don't you wish you were that guy a tiny bit? All right. Hey, applause. Look at you. Nice. All right. Open your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7. We continue our study in the book of Hebrews. And we started in chapter 1, verse 1. Here we are in 11, verse 7. And by the way, while you find that, isn't it interesting that Dr. Young just started to teach the book of Hebrews? <laughs> it'll be fascinating to see. It'll be fascinating to see where he divides the passage, the speed at which he commences, and uh, some of the sticky stuff like uh, Abel, like what we've gone over the past couple of weeks. It'll be it'll be interesting where he falls on that uh, thing. So that it'll be it'll be amazing and fun to watch. And also, he's great. So um, Hebrews eleven verse seven. Here we pick it up, and it says this in God's word: By faith. Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I'm going to come out swinging, okay? But don't worry, it's like a musician coming out swinging. So it's like, eh, eh, you know, so I'm coming out swinging. But um, so here we, here we are. Believing supernatural things requires something supernatural. They can only believe, be believed because something supernatural has taken place. In other words, you've been made privy to something. You've been made privy to something outside of you. Something's been revealed to you. You've been enabled to see something that has been uh, made available to you. And my point is that the Noah story back, starts back in Genesis. Um, and frankly, it's a hard story for some people to believe. Some, some Christians, uh, especially scientifically-minded Christians, struggle with the story of Noah. They don't struggle over the idea of creation so much. They don't struggle over the virgin birth. They don't struggle um, of um, God become man or a Jesus who is alive right now. I mean, do you, do, you pray to, do you pray to God in Jesus' name? Well, he better be alive, okay? So that means you believe in the resurrection. Okay, those, those things, those supernatural things, you can believe those things. Uh, but let me tell you, Noah's Ark, the story of Noah's Ark, the account of it, it's a supernatural thing. And it's a believable supernatural thing. You don't have to become a liberal theologian and try to turn it into a fable or anything like that. But I think that the story of Noah's Ark is one of the harder things that some people uh, will express, uh, some people will say to believe, that it's, it's a hard thing to believe. Um, and it's exacerbated by, um, and you know, it's, it's not as hard as a talking snake, right? Not as hard as a talking ass, but... It's kind of hard to believe for some people. It's exacerbated by little kids' storybooks where you have all these cute little animals in the thing and crafters, and it's these cute little animals. Oh, it's so sweet. It's a sweet little story, and we read it to our kids, and it sort of becomes this kind of fable-esque, especially fable-esque thing. Kids love the animals and everything like that. And so, um, but let me say this. To, to be a Christian, you must be a believer in God's Word. To be a Christian, you must believe God's Word. Else, how do we know about God? He's revealed Himself in this book. Okay, He's revealed Himself generally in creation, but He's revealed Himself specifically in His, in his book to believers. So to be a believer, you must believe this book. Well, in this book is the story of Noah and his ark. Now, you say, well, wait a second. Well, what if somebody wants to take the story of Noah and the ark uh, figuratively, not literally? Well, you have big problems. And, but, and listen, uh, both critics and scholars have tried to do that. But listen. 
Um, grip yourself. Um, the prophets take the story of Noah literally. The prophets do. Um, for instance, Ezekiel calls him one of the three most righteous men in history. Here's Ezekiel 14, 14. He says it again a few verses later. God talking in Ezekiel. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord God. All right? So Noah, Daniel, and Job. This is God speaking. You think God believes in Job? Yeah. You think uh, God believes in Daniel? He does. Well, he believes in Noah equally. So that's what, that's what the prophet Ezekiel is saying, and he's quoting God. It's pretty, pretty good validation for a literal interpretation of the story of Noah and the ark, all right? There are also two other scripture writers that put Noah in a genealogy of Jesus Christ. You'll see it in 1 Chronicles 1 and in Luke 3.36. And also, the apostle and scripture writer Peter says that Noah is an important figure in history. Here's what it says in 2 Peter 2.5. If God did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness... All right, that's pretty big validation, and he calls him a herald of righteousness, too. And by the way, we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, there's a book uh, called Heralds of Righteousness. It's a book on preaching. Uh, it's a very famous one. James, James A. Stewart, I think is his name, but it's an old classic volume on preaching, Heralds of Righteousness. Uh, so it's basically saying that Noah was a proclaimer of true things, a, a prophetic voice, uh, and so on, a beseecher of truth. And so, and here in our passage, by the way, uh, Noah is being cataloged with people of great faith. All right, so the scriptures validate Noah. They talk about Noah literally like he was a real human being because he was a real human being with a real story. It's not to be dismissed or discounted, all right? So uh, one more thing by way of housekeeping, and that's this. Uh, the other hang-up about the ark is this. People will go, well, golly, how could all those animals fit on the ark? I mean, seriously, it's a boat. I mean, could they really fit on there? That's a valid question, right? And... Um, I don't have to cover that today, but it seems like I should cover that because uh, it talks about Noah being a man of faith, and he ought to be a real person, right? So let's look at this for a second. Um, yeah. So let's look at uh, this. Is, these, are, these are animals on the earth, all right? You got mammals. You got 3,700. You got 8,600 kinds of birds. You got 6,300 kinds of reptiles, amphibians, fish, and so on. Um, this big number, it's like over a million, it's like over a million, almost a million one of different kind of species of, of animals on the earth. Okay, that's a lot of animals. How would they all fit in the ark? Well, um, let's uh, get rid of the ones that uh, are underwater and uh, squirming around and wouldn't make their way onto a boat or couldn't live on a boat. All right, so you got the teeny tiny, you know, look at the protozoans, single cell microsc- microscopic stuff. Uh, on the bottom there, you got coral, jellyfish, anemone, uh, clams, oysters, things under the water, and so on. There's about 30,000 or so times two male and female, and a lot of them are teeny. And uh, it is estimated that all those things, uh, one of each, male and female, could have fit on the ark and taken up about half the space of it, leaving the other half for food and water and supplies and so on. Now, without getting you bogged down too much, were the dinosaurs on the ark? My own personal view, and you can study it if you like, I don't think, I think that's completely ridiculous. I, I'm, I, I tend to be an old earth guy, and uh, if you don't understand what that means, then go back and listen to the early Genesis messages from a couple of years ago uh, and get some clarification on that. But, uh, you know, just for instance, a brontosaurus, I looked it up to check my facts uh, yesterday, would drink 69 gallons of water a day. That's 69. That's times two. So 138 gallons of water a day they would have to drink. Oh, and by the way, it's got to leave, too. 
So how would you like that job? I mean, you know if they don't show you in the kid cartoons, in the, in the storybooks? They don't show you uh, Noah shoveling manure off the poop deck all day long. You know, that's, that's not quite the cute picture, right? Um, that's why they call it a poop deck. Just made that up. Anyway, um, uh, oh, and by the way, people go, well, why don't they just put holes in the bottom so it just drains out? It's a boat. Uh, you can't do that. So I don't think dinosaurs were on the ark. So anyway, all to say... It, it could work. It could fit. It's, it's actually possible, and uh, it's a supernatural thing that God could orchestrate. There's no reason that we can't believe it. There's no reason we can't believe it. All right, let's go to our point here. I think the, the main idea here is that real faith takes real action, um, and let's go to our first sermon point, which is this, the certainty of faith, trusting. Uh, first off, notice the sentence construction again. This is really actually uh, true to, to Hebrew uh, construction here, that it starts with, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, and so on, by faith, Noah, being warned by God. Um, that's what we're supposed to see first, by faith, by faith, by faith, not achievement, 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 look what a wonderful job I did. Oh, make me a saint. That is not biblical, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, set me apart as a superior, wonderful thing with these miracles and all that. That's not biblical, ladies and gentlemen. Um, It's not about achievement, achievement, achievement. It's about by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith, Noah was warned by God. Now, let's talk about being warned by God. That's a, a very important element when considering God. Um, because, uh, you know, in our modern evangelical climate, we've kind of gotten away from the warning part, you know? We, we, we hear people talk, we say, well, I grew up in this church, and it was, all, it was all fire and brimstone. Oh, yeah, I didn't like that. It was always all fire and brimstone. Well, you know what? That's half of the gospel message. The other half of the gospel message is saved from fire and brimstone, brought into felicity and bliss, brought into the presence of the living God, by God's grace poured out on the undeserving. That's the, that's the other part of it. But, you know, people have shied away from, oil, fire, and brimstone. Oh, I just owed that preaching. Oh, it, I got burned. I got burned by the church when I was young. I got, oh, that fire and brimstone. I want to stay away from that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Very scary message. There's warning. But um, have everlasting life instead. That's the other side of the gospel. But, but you, you don't want to just go, well, heaven. I've got a brochure here. It ought to be wonderful. It's worse than other places. Uh, why don't you go to heaven? Don't you want this? Don't you want this? Don't you want good over bad, comfort over discomfort? Um, yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, warning is part of the gospel, and God warns Noah that this thing is going to happen. And furthermore, he's warned, and he's warned concerning events as are yet unseen. Uh, now, in, in Genesis 3, we're told that Noah was spoken to by God. Now, exactly how that took place, not sure. But this warning came to Noah from God about 120 years before the flood came. So imagine 120 years of this guy building a giant boat on dry land, people walking by, neighbors, family, friends. What are you doing, Noah? I'm sure the the word spread over 120 years that this guy was doing this thing. I mean, that seems pretty newsworthy, wouldn't it, by word of mouth that it was spread? I mean, you can just imagine the kind of ridicule uh, that it would be. And by the way, um, it was about a football field and a half long, about a football field wide, and four stories tall. That's a big boat. And by the way, 
Uh, they say by its design, by its, sheer, by its sheer design, not only could it float, not a, could it, only could it hold all that stuff, but it was almost impossible to capsize. Uh, pretty interesting. It could weather all kinds of, literally weather all kinds of uh, problems. But let's get the order right. The order is that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's what it says here. Um, Noah's warned, uh, events unseen, but he's, he's, he's found favor in the eyes um, of, of the Lord, it says in Genesis uh, 6, verse 8. Now, what does finding favor mean? Finding favor, I can tell you, favor is an elusive thing. Um, I've been in favor in certain situations in my life, and I've been out of favor in certain situations in my life. And, uh, you know, all one need to do back is think on dating. Uh, sometimes you're in favor with the person that you're attracted to and you would like to date, uh, but she ain't, she ain't found favor on you uh, at all. Um, I can't make you love me if you don't, right? I mean, favor is elusive. You want it. You crave it. Sometimes you just got to have it, but it just doesn't happen. Favor is somebody granting you favor, somebody, somebody finding a pleasure. It's at the discretion and pleasure of the favorer, and that's how God favored Noah. He, he found favor in Noah. That means he graced Noah. He had grace on Noah. It also says in Genesis 6 verse 9 that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. That doesn't mean that he was perfect. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, you could examine his life and uh, quickly see that he wasn't perfect. Um, but it, it does mean that he enjoyed God's favor. Well, here in our passage here, um, it, said that, um, uh, it says that um, uh, Noah was warned by God, and in reverent fear, he acted, right? So in reverent fear, he takes action. He's got a real faith. He takes a real action. Um, now, what did he believe, ladies and gentlemen? What did he believe specifically? Well, I'll tell you, it's the same thing we believe to apply it to your life. Let me take a swig of this real quick. It's the same thing we believe. And listen, this has been a wonderful commentator. I'm not going to tell you his name. Been a wonderful commentator up until the last couple chapters where he's been a horrible commentator. Um, and, I mean, you should see all my, uh, you know, my, my mean comments in the margin uh, that I, I make fun. I'm like, what are you doing? That's sloppy, you know. Um, I'm sure no one does that to me. But um, anyway, he says this. Indeed. What was, oh, oh, this kind of thing, too, that just drives me nuts. Um, Noah did everything by faith. Uh, it was the operating principle for all that Noah did. Really? That, to me, is just reckless, sloppy construction. But anyway, he goes on even worse. He goes on and says this. Indeed, it sounds great, too. What God demanded of Noah was far greater than he asks of us. Huh? Who said that? Right, see? Um, God required Noah to believe something that had never happened before. Okay. Okay. Something totally unprecedented and seemingly unlikely. Hmm? By contrast, God asks us to believe things that have already happened, namely the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can look back on him in the full light of history and record it in the Bible. Well, look, that's a pretty good point. But you know what? It's impossible for us to believe, just like it was impossible for Noah to believe, without supernatural help and intervention. Right? It's the same thing. Oh, yes, it was recorded in history, but what is this to the lost world? Foolishness. They think it's fables. Yeah, it's written down, but it's got to be the enlivening, the, the, the life-giving of the Holy Spirit that opens up God's Word to the redeemed, right? 
I mean, it, it's, it's not harder for us to believe than it was for, for Noah, I don't think. I think it's uh, God's working in our life, and I think that line of, of logic is ridiculous. What we have in our laps in this, in this book is foolishness of the world, and uh, it is what God said. And so what we believe is what God said, and the gospel is that God gives eyes to see. Uh, you're dead, a dead heart dry bones. Do you decide to follow Christ? Of course you decide to follow Christ. God grants life. The Holy Spirit illumines truth. And you say, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's the equation per the scriptures. All right, next point. The result of faith, in keeping with our main point here, uh, obedience. Um, Look at verse 7 again. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, um, acted. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Now, most translations say reverent fear, or they might say holy fear or something like that. Amazingly, if you have a New Living Translation, it just skips it, which is shocking. Um, But the idea of of a a reverent fear doesn't mean a groveling, cowering fear where, you know, I I may have told you this before, that... um, this, this little kid used to, I read the story, this little kid used to play a joke on his parents. Um, when company would come over, every time his dad would reach for the salt shaker, the kid would go, <laughs> which is a pretty funny joke, except his father gets put in jail. But, um, but it's not, a, it's not a, a craven, cowering fear that ducks away. It's a reverent fear that says, you know what? I really believe what you say, and I'm going to act upon what you say. And obedience comes. Um, what, does, what does somebody do when they receive a warning they believe? They act on it. I mean, if you see somebody about to step out in traffic, hey, watch out! Very important warning for their benefit. <coughs> if they believe it, they step out of the way of traffic, you know? And I'll tell you, um, it's kind of like a weatherman in front of the, the, the radar, you know? Um, we believe what he's telling us. Um, he's showing us a radar. He's saying, see this? This is moving toward you, and it could blow the building down that you're in. So you might want to heed the warning. Well, if you believe him, you act on it. If you don't, or if you're just apathetic like me, you go, oh, that's great. Uh, let's see, um, you know, uh, play another video game. Um, but um, if you believe the warning, you act. Well, there was a warning by the God who controls the weather. <laughs> Uh, to Noah that this big event was going to happen, and there was no cl- clever computer graphics or anything like that. But Noah believed, and, and what it looked like was action. He took action in reverent fear. He respected and heard what God said. Well, application for your life. Many a person um, claims to be a Christian, but the one who truly believes has a modified life. The one who truly believes has a changed life. And uh, I can't tell you how humbling and even humiliating it is uh, to sit up here and tell you that. Um, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working at a church. And, um, you know, I remember when I first went into the ministry, people would go, I'd say, yeah, I'm about to go uh, work in the ministry. I got hired by a church to go do ministry work. And, I, like, every person in my life who knew me went, you? <laughs> you know, it's still kind of shocking, you know, because it's not, I don't have a perfect life. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm beautifully burdened with the truth. I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rattled by things of grace. Um, 
I lay on my bed and I toss it and turn and I think about Rosaria Butterfield. Why do I do that? I don't even know this lady. I mean, aren't you, haven't you watched people in your lives be changed and sanctified? I'm married to a woman, you know, um, who said it in the staff meeting? Somebody said the problem with marrying somebody is uh, uh, very shortly thereafter, they're not the same person you married. Um, because we grow and we change and we have these crazy life stories and all that. But don't you look back in your life and you go, wow, I've seen the Lord sanctify my wife and, and she's seen me sanctified and I've seen the people I work with sanctified. I've seen Dr. Young sanctified. He's seen me sanctified. I mean, God, God affects lives. It, it, it changes things. Um, God changes things. Um, so um, I, I would say this, applying this to our lives evangelically, we're supposed to stick out in this culture. We're supposed to be different, not because we're rude jerks, but because people see something a little bit supernatural about us, something a little otherworldly, that our value system is, is, is countercultural to this world. Uh, that's, that's a big part of evangelism is that we are countercultural. All right. Next point, uh, the witness of faith, herald. I mentioned that to you before. Um, verse 7, um, it says, by this, okay, so Noah being warned by God concerning events that he hasn't seen, so he's exercising faith, right? He's trusting. Um, he moves in reverent fear. He constructs the ark God told him for the saving of his household, rescue from peril, right? And it says next, by this, he condemned the world. Now, that's an interesting way to put it, isn't it? By this, he condemned the world. Now, what does that mean, he condemned the world? Well, it's a curious thing to say, but uh, he works on this thing day after day, year after year, month after month, decade after decade, and uh, it condemns people. How does it condemn people? Well, again, uh, he's a herald of God. He's a proclaimer of the true thing. And uh, they, they, they hear of it, they see it, they go, Noah, dude, you're still working on that thing? Yep, 64% done. It's only been 80 years. Really? That's a long time, buddy, to build this thing. Um, and uh, he says, well, the, the Lord told me that this thing was going to happen. Well, they either believe it or they don't believe it. Uh, he is heralding what has been told him as the truth, and they believe it or they don't believe it. He's a herald of that simply by living a life according to the Word of God. Application for you, what does a witness do on a witness stand? You've seen it a million times in movies and TV shows and stuff like that. You may have been on a witness stand. You may have been on jury duty. What does a witness do in the witness stand? They tell what they've seen and heard. That is what witnessing is. It's not cornering somebody on an airplane and ruining their flight. Not that you can't strike up a conversation with somebody. You know, I did it with the wood guy on Germantown Parkway. I do it with all kinds of people. What weird thing did I do in a couple, of, a couple days ago? Oh, yeah, on Twitter. Uh, there's this non-Christian guy who's probably a Muslim uh, that I follow on Twitter, and I'm, I'm just like a kitty cat. I'm just trying to, I, you know, it just everything's gospel-focused. You know, I'm trying to rope him in. I'm trying to witness to him. I, I would love an opportunity to say what I've seen and heard, and that's what you need to be. Your, your radar needs to be on all the time thinking, is this a platform for an expression of the gospel? I mean, um, if you're into triathlons, then let that be a platform for the gospel. If you're a painter, let it be a platform for the gospel. Uh, if you're a thinker, let it be a platform for the gospel, that you just have, find some life connection with somebody. You have a legitimate relationship, and you find an in when they have a question about eternal things. You find an in. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not in the world like you guys are. 
But I do like telling people I'm a Christian pastor. You know, after they've like sworn like 14 times, I like bringing that out, you know. Um, but I just want them to know, hey, uh, by the way, oh yeah, I'm a Christian pastor and, and I don't shove it down their throat, but I, I try to open a door. Um, maybe they'll ask me about my Savior, about why there's a hope in me. All right, last thing, the era faith. Child. Um, Heir of faith is an easy thing to pass over here. Uh, heir, of, heir of the righteousness, uh, excuse me, heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By this he condemned the world, became an heir of the righteousness that becomes by faith. Now think about the word heir. There's nothing meritorious about this. Okay, he was a righteous man. Uh, he was he was uh, became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It says it right there. Righteousness that comes by faith. The, the whole thing, it's another inclusio. The whole thing starts with the words by faith, and the, the paragraph about Noah, the section about Noah, ends with the words by faith. By faith, by faith. Okay? Not by works, by faith, by faith, by faith. God found favor on Noah, and it's a, it's a, it's a matter of being saved by grace through faith. And, and he's an heir of righteousness. And think about the word heir. Does the kid have any say-so about where he or she was born? No. To the parents to whom he or she was born? No. You just are. And some of you who have beautifully adopted someone, you know, you go over here, you get some kid out of some scenario, and all of a sudden they're in your home, and they have your name, and they have you, they have an inheritance from you, they have a heritage. Everything's changed. Why? Because they were taken into your family, and that's the whole point. He has been made an heir of righteousness. Uh, he has been given something. It has nothing to do with him earning anything. Um, it has him um, uh, included as a gift, which is the entire message of the gospel, that we have been found in God's favor. The Bible says things like, God set his love upon us. It says things like, God knew us before the foundation of the earth. He's, he loves us with an everlasting love. I mean, that, those are... Those are indications that God comes from the outside and intrudes into our lives and and has us, takes us, plucks us, and then buys us with the blood of his son. Isn't that an amazing gospel? But that's what it is to be an heir of righteousness. God has found favor. God has taken you and brought you into his household and made you an heir. All right. Last thing is a quote out of this book, and it's not this guy. Uh, Listen, he's awesome. He's just had a couple bad chapters. Um, but he does have, he quotes a guy that I, I rather like here. This is, this is pretty cool. Oh, well, where should I start? He says, um, all right, it's, it's, it's a guy named Peter Lewis, and he, it, it, this is a quote from Peter Lewis. Christ Jesus is our ark. Don't you like that? Um, Christ Jesus is our ark, big enough for the whole world. Strong enough to withstand the shocks of life, the rising waters of death, the upheavals of the last judgment. There is safety here in the Son of God, sent to be for us all the shelter, the salvation that we so desperately need. Our ark and safe passage into the new world God has planned. From that ark, we will emerge to inherit a new heaven and a new earth. Man, that is just... You know, I'm straying a little bit here. I'm riffing. But... um, you know, the way, the way the story of Noah is expressed in Genesis 6 uh, and beyond is very much the way the creation story was expressed earlier, just a few chapters earlier, 
It, it rings very much the same way from, from Noah and his family and the animals and all that. And, and um, you know, Adam and Noah share the same thing, which is um, from Adam is all of humanity and from Noah is all of humanity. <laughs> from, from, uh, from those two couples is, is everybody. And um, so there's this idea of a new earth, a new start, a, a new creation. And that's the same, same thing as the gospel message, message ladies and gentlemen, um, that God shuts in his own and he keeps them safe. God shut the door of the ark. He kept them safe. He rescued them from destruction. And then he opens up the door and um, it's a new life. It's a new beginning. That's, that's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of our gospel. And so I encourage you, uh, searching person, Pray that God would show you what's true and give you the grace to believe it. Uh, Salvation is a free gift. God grants it. He finds favor. He makes somebody an heir of righteousness, and he's the one who closes the door unto safety and keeps safe. Let's pray. Father, um, we praise you and we thank you that there is room on the boat and uh, there was room on the boat for me, and you desired to put me on there. And um, we thank you for the great cross of Jesus Christ, by whose blood we are saved. Um, we should have shed the blood. We should have taken the punishment. We should have been banished from you and banished forever. But instead, um, the perfect righteousness of God took upon a human nature and died the death for the sinner. Thank you for that reality, Lord, and I pray that uh, if, if people hear anything today... I pray that you would impress upon their hearts that salvation is a gift. It's a matter of being found in your favor. It's about your love being set upon, um, vouchsafe that way. Uh, We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.